Preaching from the book of Revelation is not that easy. And reading, those who are reading regularly, you know that it has very difficult. It's simply because, as I repeatedly said, has strange images and it talks about a distant reality rather look like and it is couched in a language which is symbolic, metaphoric and alien to us. However, reading and understanding and knowing the book of Revelation is a great blessing as well. This is the only book in the Bible which elaborates on the, bless, the blessings that awaits us. And this, though we have hints of these things in the rest of the Bible, here we have a very focused, at the same time very detailed description of what Christian life is all about. The future included. This gives inspiration for our life now because it inspires us with the divine realities. Divine realities in contrast to earthly and material realities. Many churches I visit and then many of you may be familiar with, they preach about how to be a good person and sometimes a good Christian in a world and how in our world and how to be successful. I have no arguments with them because they are talking about the earthly reality, how to be a successful person, how to build your marriage, how to have a good relationship, how to do this, how to do this, how to bless, be blessed, how to prosper and all that sort of thing. People seem to get a lot of inspiration from that. I don't have a problem with that. But this book inspires us for our present life with divine realities. The realities that the world cannot offer, which is beyond the reach of all the earthly means that we have. It gives us fuel for life. What is that fuel for life? That is, when we are discouraged, when we are confused, when we are struggling to make meaning out of this Christian journey that you have began, maybe a few years ago or maybe a few days ago, when we struggle with that, here you have the fuel to guide us in a life of faith. When I say life of faith, I am reminded of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, verse 5, verse 7, where Paul says, talking about the Christian life, he says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. In the simplest meaning is, what guides our Christian life is not what we see. What guides our Christian life is what we believe and what we may not necessarily see. What is faith? Faith is that ability to act on the invisible. Believe in the invisible and act on it. Like Abraham did in Hebrews chapter 11. 
Abraham believed or waited for a city that has foundations and whose builder, architect and builder is God. He has never seen that city. He never been into that city. But his whole life was guided by faith. Faith which is that acting on what God has showed him or has said exists. A city far distant, far away where we do not know. That is where the revelation helps us. The book of Revelation helps us to understand, to imagine realities which we otherwise will not be able to even imagine of, will think of. And then that inspiration, those realities which the book of Revelation portrays, gives us the inspiration to live in this world while we are waiting for the other world to come. We have been focusing on the blessings that God has reserved for us. The people who live a life of faith. I already have defined what faith is. Faith is that spiritual ability to act on things that are invisible, can be revealed only by God, unhidden to human eyes, human senses, but act on it. Believing that it exists, act on it. Like Abraham did, like Cain did, uh, Abel did, like other people, the, the heroes of faith did. Act on it, believing it exists because God has told us so. Now we saw the seven blessings. We are going to see the sixth today. Those who are committed to the word of God. That's a blessing. Reading the scripture aloud and hearing it and even obeying it. Waiting for Jesus in obedience and in holiness. That is a blessing. The life that you live, if your faith, if your hope is in Jesus Christ, that is a blessing. To live with a hope for the return of the Lord and also living a holy life. Knowing that when he comes I should be found holy and acceptable. And such lies we saw the other day, the two other Sundays, that they will join a great celebration in heaven one day. There is a rest from all the labors, all the persecutions, all the hatred, all the opposition that we go through. We will have a rest from it. And that rest will be forever. And the sixth I am going to talk to you about is another thing that which we cannot scientifically prove but we can only believe by faith in Jesus Christ. That is, here, there waits for us a resurrection and a reigning with the Lord Jesus. And that is what we are going to see today. That is, Revelation chapter 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such Second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Praise be to God. The sixth blessing waiting for us. This blessing is set in a larger context of chapter 19, verse 11 to verse 20, verse 15, which in the drama of Revelation, 
When I say the drama of revelation, I am not saying that it is unreal. I am only saying that it is very dramatic. In the drama of revelation, when the history unfolds before us, when through the by the help of the Holy Spirit and the revelation that John the Apostle has received while he was in the island called Patmos, it unfolds a series of events, series of things that will happen on earth and in heaven and even in mid-air. And then as we read this drama, again let me say, I don't mean that it is unreal by the word drama. Simply means, means that it is very dramatic. The whole things are very dramatic. The way it is presented are very dramatic. And then this sort of surrealistic drama unfolds. We come to chapter 19 from verse 11 and up to verse 15. That is the final battle. The final battle of God with evil. The evil powers, evil forces, evil systems. All that will be completely defeated by God. And then here you see in a, a number of verses here and there. Verses 1 to 6 of chapter 20 is a break in the narrative, in the story. In this last drama, the scene shifts. In 1911 to the end of chapter 19, it talks about the defeat of the evil power. And in 1 to 6, it talks about again the defeat of the evil power forever. And then 7 to the rest of the uh, chapter 20, that is up to 15, the permanent destruction of the evil one is predicted there. Now, we come to this passage now. This passage, I want to read it one more time. Or I may probably... Here, there are two things that happens. In this chapter, in this particular version, uh, uh, two things happen. One is, uh, can I have the scripture passage on the screen? Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 to 6. It talks about the angel arresting or seizing an evil power, evil person. And that evil person is called the dragon, the ancient serpent, the devil, and Satan. Let's look at that verse. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon. Look at that verse again. The seized the dragon, one person. But that dragon is described as the ancient serpent, who is the devil, and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. It talks about two events here. The first event that happens is binding the dragon. And the dragon is the ancient serpent. It's not only the ancient serpent, but he is also the devil. And he is also Satan. Now, if you read the book of Revelation, all these characters come here and there. We talk of, we know about a dragon who persecuted a legendary woman and tried to kill her son, child, boy child. And then we read about devil 
who in chapter 2 verse 10 was through some of the saints in the prison and then we read about Satan which is in 2.9 and 3.9 are the synagogue of Satan or the Jewish opposition to Christianity and then the ancient serpent we read about in Genesis 3.1-7 all these are manifestations of the same thing the dragon the devil Satan the ancient serpent all these are one but four different manifestations so what will happen at the end of the day at that decisive moment at this decisive moment evil will be conquered by God and evil will be bound by God for 1000 years that's the mystery that is the secret why there are four titles used for this one person because the dragon has tried to kill the saints the ancient serpent has deceived our first our ancestor the devil and satan has opposed again the believers in christ in the rest of the rest of the book of revelation now what that writer says is that all that has opposed the church all that has put pressure oppression persecution to people who wanted to live a saintly life a godly life that all will come to an end for another thousand years and if you read chapters 20 verse 7 to 15 it says permanently forever and that is the scene that we are looking at the scene of the end of all trouble now evil in every form from eden to eternity that is what it says evil in every form the evil that began in the garden of eden and up to the beginning of eternity all that evil will be completely conquered by our lord jesus christ evil in all intensity it may be a one 10 days of imprisonment it could be 40 plus days of dif- uh, uh, blasphemy in the book of revelation i'll come to that in a minute evil in every form will come to an end here is the hope for every christian on this planet or who live here now in this side of eternity we are troubled with evil now when i talk to people people say that somebody in my family is an alcoholic he has no senses he has lost his senses more than one person that we pray for have told me this but why is that man chose to lose his senses and behave in a senseless world why he has chosen to take a break from the realities and pleasures that the world offers or his family offers or his church offers and why is he going on a break on a trip unconscious of lack of consciousness awareness and finding pleasure in unrealities yes that person is responsible but not sorry 
not fully. Because that person is responsible because he could not resist the devil. Ultimately, who is responsible? The devil is responsible. The evil behind the whole system is responsible. The, the wickedness, the, 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 the satanic or devilishness behind it, the evil that devil or Satan or the dragon or the beast, beast manifests, that is ultimately responsible. This man's responsibility was that he was not able to resist it. Why there is hatred in the world? Same reason. Why there is violence in the world? Same reason. It is all the work of the devil. But it still doesn't acute us, absorb us of our responsibility. But now, the word of God says, here comes a day when the devil himself, who is the cause of all the trouble in the world, devil himself who is behind all the disharmony in the families, devil who is behind all the ungodliness in this family, in our world, the Satan who is behind all the violence in this world and hatred in this world will, up, will be finally bound. First of all, in this verse, for thousand years, and then verse 7 to 11 says, forever, permanently. There is a lot of hope here, isn't it? And second thing is, not only that, it is another side. The other side is, the, one side is the defeat of the Satan forever. The other side is the victory of the saints. Can we read 3 and 4 as well? Verse 3 and 4. Same verse. <coughs> the saints have put up a good battle. Verse 4. The saints, life of the saints was not easy. Life of the godly people was not easy. If you think or if you feel that your life on earth is a very easy life, that simply means you haven't lived a godly life. If you think that your life is painless, always joyful without any struggles, then that simply means you are not or you haven't lived yet a life of faith. If you read the book of Revelation, chapter 1 to chapter 19, verse 11, we see the immense struggles that the people had to go through. People who want to live a life before God. Now they had to oppose the empire, that is the Roman Empire, which dictated that they should worship the Roman Emperor as Lord. They stood against it. They said, no, Jesus is not Lord. Caesar is not Lord. There's only one Lord and one King, and that is Jesus Christ, the Nazareth. They had to stand. And what the price they had to give? They were excluded from their cults and societies. Something like the Lions Club, for example. You know, to be part of the trading or guilds, to be part of that, they have to worship the emperor. And they said, we will not. So they, will, they were excommunicated from the clubs and the societies and the guilds 
and and all sort of things. They could not trade. They could not go for. They could not have social relationships because they were excluded. Now the families rejected them. Their whole life was a life of battle, battle against this evil, battle against this idolatry. When beasts demanded worship, they said, "No, we will not have his mark on our forehead." They rejected it. So their life was a battle, battle everywhere in the family, friend, in the society, in the workplace, in their relationships, everywhere they had, and they suffered because of the testimony of Jesus. They bore witness to the testimony of Jesus. They said, "We believe in Jesus Christ." They suffered because of the word of God. Look at here. I saw the look at this verse. I also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. Here talks about those who are the throats were slit for because they said we will not. We will go only by the word of God and will stand for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And these are the people who chose to die in the Lord. I had preached on this before, so I am not going to elaborate on it. What is dying in the Lord in one sentence? Dying in the Lord in the one sentence means to hold on to the faith till the point of death. Dying in the Lord simply means to hold on to the faith till one the person dies. Here, what we see here, such people. I saw these people who suffered. For the gospel, these people who stood steadfast for the sake of the witness of Jesus Christ, finally they won, and the person or the forces that made their life difficult are defeated. That's the that's the hope. Steadfastness is very important. Now, when we have that vision, when you have that vision. The vision of the defeat of the evil, and this other side, flip side of this vision, the victory of the saints. That's what I said. That's enough fuel for us to live and face the harsh realities of life. Whatever your harsh reality is, I can't name it. You name it. I have my own harsh realities. That when I oppose the evil, when I refuse to do what is wrong, when I resist what is evil, I do have consequences to face. But I do it by the grace of God and the power of God, simply because I know victory belongs to God. Amen. That's the hope we have. We don't see the victory right now. We don't see the victory right now, but we can see now by the eyes of faith the ultimate victory that is waiting for us. Let me repeat what I said. We don't see the victory actualized now. We are still fighting. We are fighting sickness. We are fighting poverty. We are fighting reproach. We are fighting this. Deprivation. We are fighting of evil in every form right now. But the word of God says, 
don't give up the fight because victory belongs to god think of this do you think that rahul gandhi and his people didn't have input before the results were declared that they are going to lose do you think so i don't think so i very well believe that they had enough research enough research analysis enough intelligence input to know well before the results were declared that they will lose i believe so they had their own exit polls and their own surveys which hinted in a direction that they may lose but they did still with that knowledge they put up a brave face and they fought knowing that they will lose they fought knowing they will lose and looking at their fight we thought they were, they are the winners right the way they fought gave us an impression that they are going to win not the realities but the very way the manner in which they put up the fight suggested to us and to many media many pundits political pundits they were forced to believe that these guys are going to win but they probably knew that they are not but they still fought now the contrast is brothers and sisters is this if these guys can fight a losing battle with such courage how much courage we should have fully knowing that the battle we are engaged is a decisive one which we will win definitely that's what i said this gives fuel for christian life this give fuel for christian life many people have given up the fight in which form it comes at the easiest resistance they just drop their faith but the book of revelation the vision that we see tells us no don't give up the battle belongs to the lord and he will win it praise god in two stages one for thousand years the satan devil the dragon the beast will be except the beast the ancient serpent will be bought and read 7 to 15 20 chapter 20 verse 7 to 15 at home that eight verses tells us that that he will be permanently thrown into the blazing fire forever but between this comes this amazing scene the battle the victory of the saints has two sides or maybe three first that is found in chapter 20 verse 4 that is i would like to read it again for you because hearing this word itself is very is a great blessing then i saw thrones i am reading chapter 20 verse 4 and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed 
And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. And those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on the foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Praise be to God. And then it says, let's read that verse again. Now you see the victory of the saints. The saints have come to life and they are reigning and then giving us that scene of the failure or the defeat of the enemy, the victory of the saints, comes this blessing. And it pronounces this blessing. Let me say that again. The defeat of the devil and the victory of the saints. And in that scene, this blessing is pronounced. Verse 20, sorry, chapter 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and for Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. He talks about two resurrections here. And what will happen is that they will be Blessed is the one who has participated in the first resurrection. They will reign with him and will serve him as priests. If you go through chapter 12 of Daniel and chapter verse 2, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting conduct. Again in John's gospel, John's gospel chapter 5 verses 28 to 29. Do not marvel at this for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear the voice of the voice and come out. Those who are done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of the devil. Chapter Acts 24 verse 15 as well. The Bible talks about two resurrections. We don't know when that will happen. But chapter 20, that is what the verse that we did, verses 4 to 5 makes it somewhat clear that the first resurrection belongs to the righteous, the godly people, the conquerors, those who resisted the devil and the evil empire, those who fought a good fight, these people will rise first and then the second group will rise to face judgment. Now, this doctrine seems to be very complicated but two things are very, very clear. There is a resurrection and resurrection happens in two streams or two ways. Whether it happens on the same day or not, we are not very sure. Likely, it is in two different times in the world history. The first people, or the first resurrection, are people who will, be, will go to reign with Christ. The others will reign, will resurrect those who are done evil, but to face judgment. We can have a study on this later. But what the essence of this doctrine is this that the, the greatest 
punishment a person can receive is capital punishment. The, the most great punishment the world can give to a human being is capital punishment, beheading, hanging, killing under a guillotine or an electric chair. Whichever way a person ends his life, more specifically, a person who lives his life faithfully, loving the Lord, keeping his commandments, a person who lives like that, if that person has to give the ultimate, face the ultimate punishment for that holy life, that ultimate punishment will be death. Nothing more than that. The greatest, the severest punishment a person can receive is death. Executed, whichever means it is. Does that mean that person is a loser? The hundreds of martyrs, when they were challenged, when they were faced with this question, would you like to believe, would you reject Jesus and confess that Caesar is Lord? They said there is no Lord other than Jesus. And they had to die for what they said. People who resisted the ways of the world, they died. But now, the book of Re 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 Revelation along with the rest of the gospel and all the writings of the, the rest of the Bible assures us that death is not the end of life. Because all those who died, whether they died in Christ or outside Christ, whether they are faithful or unfaithful, they will all rise again. One day, some to face shame, some to face glory. Now let me correct a few wrong notions here. What happens to us when we die is not that our spirits will wander around. A, a, a person whom I know, his daughter died in a bike accident, 21 year old, very beautiful girl, very capable girl, uh, doing postgraduate study in uh, fashion designing, a girl full of life, suddenly died in a scooter accident. He is a believer. But even now, I saw him last week, and, or maybe the week before that. Even now he thinks that his daughter's presence is there in the room. So they have a room for her, her room is locked up, and though they are believers, they don't have the hope of uh, this hope that we share, or that part of their faith is really weak. So they think that she is still present in that room. So she has, they have a portrait of her, and they have a uh, LED light there in her room, and nobody goes there. I don't understand. The word of God says that those who die are the sleeping. They are resting and they will come back to life. They will be united with their bodies, new bodies. It is not just spirits. We will, together, we will be united with them, with our own bodies. A glorified body indeed, a immortal body definitely, and probably a radiant body as well. 
And that's our hope. What is this? It is life continues. Many times we live life, plan our life, looking at the end of life here. Right? So before I die, I want to save and make the life of my children and my spouse secure. So we work hard, save enough or more and make sure that even when we die, there is a good life insurance policy for them. Isn't it? We see life, the end of life. We have retirement plans. When I am not able to earn from that point onwards till my death. That is what retirement plans are, isn't it? Retirement portfolio is what is the other definition of retirement portfolio. The, the providing for yourself from the point you are not able to earn to the point you die. Some money or something. That is what retirement plan is. So what is our life plan? What is the reference point? The grave. The grave is the reference point. Our planning is around that only. Isn't it? I told my one my son jokingly that I would be like to around for your 60th birthday party. Isn't it? That's a good thing. To be around for my son's birthday party or for the wedding of my grandchild or to the birth of my grandchild. Great-grandchild. Dream. But what's the reference point? The grave. The grave. That's the reference point from which we plan everything. Am I right? Yes. But if your faith is in Jesus Christ, if you believe in the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that reference point moves. Do you understand what I'm saying? That reference point is removed. And it is located to another point. Like you remove a pin from the map and put it on another place. You move, move it to other place. That is, life continues. The other side of the world. Other side of grace. Life continues. Resurrection is that. That is the first resurrection means the resurrection of the saints who will enjoy the presence of God forever. Second resurrection means the resurrection of the dead, sorry, the evil, the wicked who will rise up to face judgment of God. Blessed is, would you read that verse with me again? 20 verse 6. Blessed is the one who partakes who shares in the first resurrection over such the death has no, second death has no powers. Praise. They will priests of God and of Christ. They will reign with him for a thousand years. Now how long will you reign? A thousand years. Initially. Okay. And it will say, now we are coming to a hard nut to crack. This word, thousand years, have caused terrific problems in the church. What does that mean? 
Some mean people say it is not literal, it is simply metaphorical, it simply means countless number of years of days. And some people say no, it is literal, it is literally thousand years. And they are also divided into two camps. I don't want to give you details because it is going to confuse you further. But it is a very important thing. In these six verses, if you count, this word thousand years comes five times. In these six verses, this word comes five times in these six verses. So it must be something very important, isn't it? It is important. And two things happen so far. We've been reading this passage many times. Two things happen in this. One is, during these thousand years, Satan, devil, the ancient serpent, the dragon will be bound. One thing. Two, the saints of God will reign with him. Two things happen. Now, one of the problems in interpreting the book of Revelation is, people love to assign all the events a time, time, what's that? Time frame, a timeline. This will happen after this, this will happen here, this will happen there, and after this, this will happen and all that. Now, I think that's a very unhelpful, unhelpful approach. But I would like to look at these thousand years in comparison with something else. Now, when you look at the thousand years of the reign of the saints, godly people, God's people, and the same time, thousand years of the imprisonment of the devil, we have to compare. I think this is an invitation to compare. You know, the kings and the beasts who opposed Jesus Christ and his people, according to Revelation 17, 12, they will reign for one hour. According to Revelation 17, 12. And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not received royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast. Now, I don't want to distract you about uh, on discussing on the beast. One of the popular themes, you know, that people have. Who is the beast? What is the mark of the beast? What is 6666 and all that? Some people say it is the pile number. Some people say it is the Aadhaar number. And one dear lady told me that she is not going to take Aadhaar because that is the sign of the Antichrist. I said, you better take it now. <laughs> When you can register right at the school nearby. If you don't do that before 31st, we'll have to go to some other place. She said, no, Paulson, it is the sign of Antichrist. That is what God TV told me. I said, you tell me, you tell God TV that if in order to do a bank transaction, even get your gas subsidy, and even to vote for anything like a citizen, you will have to have that number. She did not. Then six months later, she came to me and said, can you help me to get my other number? I helped. <laughs> so, don't go for all these popular interpretations. 
only essential for your faith and your life. Leave all the other junk. Leave it. Okay. See, don't try to specialize or don't try to pretend on things that are not clear. Just say, I don't know. That is the humility. It's no, I don't know now. If I know, later I'll tell you. Okay, I don't want to go for such interpretations as it's a supercomputer, it is a kingdom, it is this thing, that thing and all that sort of thing. I'm not going into that right now. But, the beasts and the ten kings with the beasts will have how many how many years of rain? One hour. But how long will they be imprisoned? Thousand years. Now, look at this. The beast will kill the two witnesses of God in chapter 11. For three and a half days come, the people of tribe and languages and nations will gaze at their bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And when they have finished their testimony, the beast shall rise from the bottomless pit and will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. And their bodies will lie in the streets of the great day. I am simply confused. Could somebody help me here? Is it two witnesses or three witnesses? Two. Two witnesses. Verse 6. No, it doesn't help. Sometimes there are mental blocks then block out. Two witnesses, right? Yes, it is two. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Don't go into that. There's another other card. So, she says it is Elijah and Moses. Now, it's two witnesses, you know. Two witnesses. They will be killed. And what happens is, for three and a half days, their enemies, this, this will be killed by the beast. And the enemies will refuse their bodies to be buried. Their dead bodies will be humiliated. For how many days? Three and a half. The beast. But how long will the beast or the devil be in prison? Thousand years. In comparison, and now look at another thing. Smyrna. The church in Smyrna. Revelation 2.10 Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. So how long will this tribulation be by the devil? Ten days. For ten days that he persecuted the church in Smyrna, he will be in prison for one thousand years. Now, come on. The desecration of the temple happened, happened for forty-two years, according to 11.2 and 13.5. And the dragon will be speaking blasphemy. How many months? That scripture says. 42 months. For 42 months, what will be his punishment? 1,000 years. What I mean is, 
the number 1000 taken in the context simply means God is going to reward the devil, the ancient serpent, Satan and the dragon for every day or even for every hour of persecution that his, his followers face. 1000 years in prison. And finally, chapter 7 to 15, ultimate total annihilation in the eternal fire. What I mean by this is, what I understand from this is a simple truth that when a person is slapped for witnessing, there is a thousand year punishment waiting for that person. When a person was cast out, thrown away from her home for faith and had to spend ten years in isolation until the family took her back, there is one thousand years of punishment for that act. For every hour, for every day, for every month, God will definitely reciprocate that. At the same time, the saints of God will reign with him for this thousand long years. Can you take, suggest, I want to help you with your understanding. Just think of how many years you lived so far. You may be 25 or one member in our church is going to turn 87. Maybe another one person I know is already 88. You know. But they will have to die within 10 years time. 20 years time. If they want to be buried by me, they better do it fast. Because I may go earlier than that. But there's an end, isn't it? When we are in the company of the saints, when we are in the presence of the angels, living in that, not a lonely life, for thousand years, isn't it a wonderful offer to long for? Living in the presence of God, for 1,000 years, when the devil is not there to distract us, to persecute us, to cause us pain, to cause us sickness, and to tempt us with evil, when because he is imprisoned in the deepest, bottomless pit, to live 1,000 years is great and wonderful. That's the reality the book offers. Now, finally, let me come to the final aspect of it. This is not a boring life. My grandmother who lived around 85 or something like that, I don't remember. Her life was in a sense a sort of a miserable life. She had to see the death of her husband and three children and a few grandchildren, at least two I can remember. She had to see the death. She had to sit beside the coffin of all these people. In that life, 
that long life was a miserable life. But here, Christ offers us a life for thousand years and more, which is not a lonely life, but an amazing life. What is that? That verse again. Let's read chapter 20, verse 6 again. The life he offers is resurrection, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. What will be doing there? We'll not be sitting beside the coffins of our dear ones anymore. Because there is no death. We'll not be attending our dear ones in the hospital. Because there will be no sickness. We'll not be waiting. You know, as I get older, my insurance premium goes up. I could take a travel insurance for 4,000 4, rupees for three months. Now, the recently I looked at it, it is about 8,000 now. Because I am getting older. And my risk is greater. But in thousand years of our resurrected glorious life, you don't have to have, you will not have to be sick. Nobody will devalue you. Nobody will raise your premium. Because that thousand years will be reigning with Christ. As what? As priests of God. And here is the greatest thing in life. You know, so far, the, in the presence of God, if you read the book of Revelation, we will, we will dive into it here and there. You know, the angels were standing before him, singing songs to him, praising him, and, and waving the incense before God. That was all the ministry of the angels. But when the first resurrection takes place, the angels' job, you know, angels will have somebody else to help them. That is you and me. If we live a faithful life, we will rise to serve our God. We will stand in the place of the angels with the incense baskets with us. The incense, the censers in our hands, with songs on our lips, with harps in our hands, we will be singing, praising and serving our God for thousand years. Life is boring at 60. But this life for thousand years is an amazing life. That's our hope. That's what we are struggling for. That's why we are holding to our faith. That is why we will pray anything to keep this faith because it is so precious. We are redeemed for a living hope. We are born again. Peter says we are born again for a living hope. I conclude with this. My job is to portray the divine realities as much as I can. Depending on the grace of God. Just to portray this picture before you. That life continues. We are not going to reincarnate in an inferior form. Or a superior form. We are on a journey forward. Beyond the grave. To the presence of our God. To reign with him for 1000 years. With that view. If you see that in your life. If you see that. That whole life here. Will be changed. Let me conclude with an illustration. 
how hope transforms takes the pain away i grew up in a rural setting climbing trees picking mangoes swimming in the lake and doing all sorts of things really enjoyed life there is a johnny cash song which i had many times said i'm raised on country sunshine sunshine so there are always sometimes we have problem accidents one accident is that we stumble upon or we step on thorns which are plenty if you walk around without shoes or slippers and those stones have to be removed stones or these little thorns are to be removed so my surgeon was always my eldest cousin and she'll take a safety pin and start with a small thorn and she will start digging around that and take the thorn out and this has happened many 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 times maybe every month or at least once or twice so tell me one it's very painful no anesthesia you know she says just stretch your leg and then under my in my toes or my finger this is small stone so sorry thorn which has to be removed and she gets a good advice she says look son look far away at that green bush she says looking at the green bush green leaves will soothe your mind just don't take your eyes off the distant green bush and i'll take your thorn you will not you will not know any pain provided your eyes should be on the distant green bush color green will soothe your mind and the point is that i will be distracted by the pain that i will have when that little safety pin digs around you know and the thorn is removed gently christian life is like that little thorns in your life little problems in your life right now will all go we look at this reality many such realities that reality far away if you can see a city if you can see a hope if you can see a life beyond your grave if you can see a glorious body if you can see pleasures joy indescribable over there this little thorn in your life which your form it is right now doesn't anyway matter it doesn't matter but it looks so big painful intolerable if you look at your pain instead of looking at the hope that we have in christ